Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. In this Bible study, we attempted to go through it in our last time together. And yet we paused as the Holy Spirit had a new direction for us. I wasn't able to even get through half of page one of our notes because God really wanted us to be reminded of the power of the cross and the fruit of the resurrection. And we, from the healing of a Gentile, who not only had to be healed of his leprosy, but also of his pride. It was his pride holding him back. He wasn't willing to dip into the Jordan River seven times. He was actually mad at that direction. He was angry, and yet he was just seven dips away, if you will. Seven times, that's all. Seven dips of his pride into the waters of the Jordan River. That's all that held him back from healing. And as we learned last week, or in our last study, that in John Corson's commentary, he brings out this, this beautiful picture of leprosy and this healing as it relates to the picture of the salvation story. Because we saw how leprosy is a type of sin, and we went in that in depth, but also Naaman being healed and the little servant girl is a beautiful picture of the salvation story. Remember, number one, leprosy is a picture of sin. And we went into depth looking at that. Naaman's life is, is, uh, Naaman's life is, is completely de- reeling from the effects of this disease, even as sin completely destroys a person's life. Number two, the message of hope was given to a little girl. And Paul tells us that the Lord loves to use the weak things of the world to confound the strong. And the message of hope is found in a child's mouth. Thirdly, the message was more important than the messenger. Naaman thought Elisha was going to do something extraordinarily miraculous. Instead, he gave a simple instruction. Go dip in the water. In Jordan River, Jordan is meaning judgment was to be dipped seven times, which is the number of completion. And how are we to be cleansed of our sins? But by immersing ourselves fully in the judgment that Jesus bore for us on the cross. Well, as Naaman is healed, Elisha's servant is provoked in his flesh. Remember, God is always at work in the world today. He's at work in this room right now. He's at work, which is amazing. It's amazing to me that God is at work through technology. He's always at work. There isn't a time where God is not actively engaged with humanity on the planet. And because God is always at work, for us, it's simply to join him. It's just to join what he's doing to discover what God is doing, discover what he wants to do, and to join him on his earthly mission. The mission of salvation, the mission of hope, the mission of rescuing. See, sometimes the, the, the serving Jesus is made so complicated. When God is at work, just respond. Fill out a little card. Pray for a kiddo that's studying the world. Pray for missionaries, pray for their kids. Like, like, talk to your neighbor about the things of God. Check in on them. 
Make a meal for someone that's sick. I mean, God is at work. He's building bridges. All we need to do is walk over them. Show up. He empowers us. Remember, the Bible says that it's work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God that works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He not only gives you the desires, but also the empowerment to follow through. And God is always at work. It's for us to to join him. Now, as God is always at work and invites us to join him, remember, any step you take toward the things of God will be met with opposition. If you're taking notes, write that down if you don't already know that. Every step you take, every progress you make is met with opposition. The devil is a real entity. He is actively trying to undo the work of God on the earth today. Let me read it to you in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Let me read it to you from the New Living. It says, be careful, Peter writes. Watch out for the attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. Take a firm stand against him and be strong in your faith. And remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. And it's so important to remember that there's always a battle. There's always a battle. You might be here today and go, you know, Ed, I've been a believer for such and such a time and I really haven't felt much of a battle. I'm concerned for you. I'm concerned that you haven't met with resistance yet. I'm concerned with you that you haven't been offended by another believer. I'm concerned for you that you haven't been tempted in ways you've never been tempted. I'm concerned for you that you haven't been putting up much of a battle, perhaps, just perhaps, because you haven't been making any progress for the things of God. You haven't been making any forward movement in your obedient life in response to the work of God. Because the devil's always looking for a new victim. And I'm sure that you've heard it before that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. It's true. And we're just like, yes, Lord, I want to know what your plan is. I want to learn what it is today and what it is tomorrow. Well, equally true is the devil, he hates you. And his plan is very simple, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's it. There is no other motive on the devil. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And so in times of struggle, in times of anxiety, in times of frustration, in times of worry, in times of uncertainty, in times of of feeling unsettled and ill-prepared, your adversary, the devil, your enemy is walking about like a roaring lion. Your adversary, your enemy, reminds us of an attorney arguing, doing what he needs, what she needs to win the case. An adversary reminds us of an enemy who comes against us at every turn, on the prowl, on the lookout. You want to grow, you want to be mightily used of God. Think of it just being here on a midweek time of Bible study. How much opposition comes just to get out one more time to study the Bible, just to spend one evening. It's so much easier just to stay home. It's almost like when the enemy, when you fall down and stumble, it's almost like the devil's there just saying, stay down. Just stay down, don't get up. Or, or you get home after a long day of work and you know it's a little bit of a drive to get here and you know if you're here then you're gonna be home later and then you gotta get up early and it's just like, you can hear the, just stay home, just stay home, just stay home. 
You can make it a night without Bible study. You can make it another night without being with the saints. You can make it another night. Oh, just watch it online. Just, just take it in and, and don't gather together. And, and of course, I'm not speaking of the times where that's occasional. I'm, I'm, taking, I'm talking about spiritual warfare. Stay down. Stay home. Stay away. And what's the answer? Well, in the, old, in the New King James, it says resist the devil. Resist the devil. Peter doesn't say talk to the devil. He doesn't say yell at the devil. He doesn't say throw things at the devil. He doesn't say rebuke the devil. He doesn't say step all over the devil, step on his face. He doesn't say any of that. The key to victory is resist him. To resist him steadfast in the faith. And isn't the key to every step of progress is faith. Our faith. Belief. Believing in the promises of God. I was just listening today to Pastor Chuck teaching on the, the beauty of the solid promises of God's word, Pastor Chuck Smith. It, they just came out with an app. It's the word, if you go to your app store and search the word for today, you've got to get that app. They've put all the resources that we used to get on cassette tapes on my phone now, right there. And so I was listening. I took a, a little rest after the radio program in my office for about a half hour. I put Pastor Chuck on my chest, laid down on my little couch that is probably up to my knees and just rested. And he was teaching in Kings where we've already looked at when Solomon came to the dedication of the temple and he says, there has not failed one word of the promises of God. What a testimony that Solomon could stand before the people after seven years of building the temple, seven years of hard work, seven years of labor, seven years of waiting, seven years, and he can stand before the people and say with confidence, I mean, he said it out loud. He went on record. It's written in the scriptures. There has not failed one word of God's promises. And what's true for Solomon thousands of years ago is true for you and me. Whether you believe it or not, God's word has not failed you. God has not failed you. What God has started in you and me, he is faithful to complete it. What he has concerning us, the Bible says, he will perfect it. He will take us all the way until we see him face to face. And so when the devil comes knocking, resist him, steadfast in the faith. There will be attacks and there will be the roaring lion. I don't know why, but I still am taken aback when resistance comes into my life. I'm still surprised a bit. I'm still wondering, why aren't you attacking someone else? Leave me alone. You ever feel like that? Leave me. And I don't talk to the devil because the Bible doesn't tell me to talk to the devil. In my mind, I say, leave me alone. I'm done. And yet the Lord says, if I resist him steadfast in the faith, he'll flee. He'll run away. Even though there'll be attacks and there'll be the roaring lion, the Lord God is our protector. Daniel's testimony will be ours. The, the, the lions are roaring and fighting and accusing, but the lion of the tribe of du Judah, Jesus Christ, stands in our defense. And there are so many believers suffering so much around the world around our city. Now, you have Elisha doing wonderful, great things and his servant is right next to him. He just watched this guy get healed of leprosy by dipping seven times in the Jordan River. And instead of rejoicing, 
And instead of encouragement, and instead of, man, I can't believe the faithfulness of God, pick up with me now in verse, chapter 5, in verse 20. I mean, all of these great things are taking place. A glorious miracle of healing. It's wonderful. It's awesome. In verse 20, but Gehazi. You know something not good's coming. Good, 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 but Gehazi. The servant of Elisha, the man of God said, look, my master has spared Naaman, this Syrian, while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. Oh, you do that, Gehazi. So he pursued Naaman, and Naaman saw him running after him, and he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, is all well? And he said, all is well. My master has sent me, saying, indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me in the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Now, I have a little note in my Bible that says that's about $400,000 he's asking for in modern, you know, maybe in the 80s when this was translated, verse 23. So Naaman said, please take two talents, and he urged him, bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments, handed them to two of his servants, and they carried them on ahead of him, verse 24. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house, and then he let the men go, and they departed. What a contrast we see in the life of Gehazi. Great progress in Elisha, great resistance in Gehazi. And the enemy was fast at work to tempt this brother in the whole situation, taking advantage of the weakness of his flesh. Gehazi decides to take advantage of the situation and runs after Naaman for what? Money. He went after the money. He said, he pursued, if you look at the verbs, he said, he pursued, he lied. And not only did he lie, did you notice he used the Lord's name? to support his lie. The decision wasn't impulsive. It seems impulsive as we read it. All this stuff is happening, but Gehazi, it wasn't impulsive. It was planned. It was calculated. It was deliberate. He asked for much, and Naaman gives him two talents and two changes of garments, and there's such deep-seated sinfulness. Verse 25, and I went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, where'd you go, Gehazi? That's his, that's his chance. That's his chance. You know how many chances you've been given to come clean? What'd you do today? Where you been? Where's your thought life? Who do you believe in today? What's in your pocket? Or in something much funnier and simpler... You know, your kid's in the kitchen, getting into the cookies, starts eating all the Oreos. You know they're in there. You hear it. You come in. You go, hey, what's going on? And he looks up with all the Oreos all over his face. What have you been doing in here? <laughs> looks like you've been in the cookies. Uh-uh. And before you know it, caught red-handed. That's Gehazi right here. Don't think for a moment that you and I will not be caught red-handed. Because God who knows all and sees all, you're already caught. It's only a matter of time before it gets revealed to humans. But for, before God, this kind, of, this kind of deception, this kind of lying, this kind of sin in our lives is before the eyes of God. 
were already caught. Just like that little boy was already caught when you heard the cookie jar lid go off. Already caught. Busted. Where have you been? Where have you been? Notice. And he said, your servant did not go anywhere. And he said to him, didn't my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence leprous as white as snow. When he responds, he, when he's confronted, he responds with lie after lie. I can't tell you how often this happens. How often we speak to someone who's obviously caught. The situation's been exposed. And they look you in the eye and they respond with another lie. And another lie. And another lie. It's just the fleshly response and reaction that we need to forsake in our lives and to walk in the Spirit. I don't, I don't know really what it is. It's almost like people actually believe they're going to get away with it. I think Gehazi believes that his master, like he, he, doesn't, he doesn't even know his master. The kind of spiritual perception God gave Elisha. He doesn't even, he's, he's, he's not even in, in this place of loyalty among the person that God gave him to serve alongside, to see the miraculous, to be enjoying all that God's doing. Through. He doesn't understand him. He misunderstands him. It's the same thing that happened when Jesus was teaching us when the unfaithful servant has to answer his master. Remember, he says, I know you're a hard man. He was wrong. He wasn't as hard as he thought. Because if he would have just invested the money in the bank, it would, have been a, it would have pleased his master than going to hide it. As Jesus teaches us on faithfulness. He wasn't teaching you how to be a good investor in stock and multiply. He was just teaching us to be faithful. If you are dishonest, you are unfaithful. You're unfaithful to God. You're unfaithful to those that trust you. You're unfaithful to those that love you. Dishonesty, it breaks the bonds of relationship. The very fabric of relationship is trust. And dishonesty, in all its forms, erodes trust in relationships. And we see the depth of dishonesty in this man and it really makes you question what kind of relationship he really had with Elisha. And I just don't understand why people choose to dwell in lies more than just coming into the truth and walking in the light. The Bible says if we walk in the light, and this is in 1 John, we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship. That's where true fellowship exists. When you're honest and I'm honest and our life is in the light, that's where relationships are built and grow. They're not built in the shadows of deception. They're not built in the shadows of lies. 
of manipulations. While people might be manipulated, God is never manipulated. We can never twist God's arm or pull anything over on him. We need to walk in the light as he is in the light. That's why we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Just to come clean. It's in the light. Once it's in the light, it can't be hidden anymore. And you know, isn't it a burden to hide things anyway? Isn't it just a burden to carry where you're just afraid of, you know, what lie did I tell and what did I say and what if I'm found out and what if they saw this and what if... It's such a burden. It's not just the opposite of the rest that God promises us as we walk in the light and we abide in him. Elisha, he senses, he knows, he was, he knows, he was given spiritual discernment and he's confronting the sin. God's revealed this to him. God's given him the insights. Remember Elisha was the guy that was surprised that when God didn't reveal something to him. <laughs> it's just a ministry. He's got this insight to people and situations. Today we see this operating. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We see this operating in our lives in the manifestation of the spirit known as discerning of spirits. Or often it's referred to as discernment. Some people call it the gift of discernment. Just God's ability to give you insight. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one of the manifestations of the Spirit is described. Pick up with me verse 7 in 1 Corinthians 12. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. And another, different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. But notice verse 11. But it's one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. This manifestation of the discerning of spirits is the supernatural insight behind a spirit, a person, or an event. So what you see Elisha doing right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as he gives you the manifestation of discerning, you can do the same thing. If it's God's will for you to know insight in someone, he'll give it to you. It's a fascinating manifestation to experience. It's more than intuition. And it's more than figuring things out. I mean, it's what Elisha says. He says, didn't my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is this time to receive money? I mean, boom, boom, boom. He's busted. God revealed it to him. And God is still revealing the hearts of men and women to this day. Those of you in spiritual leadership, pray for this manifestation to be active in your life. Pray for the ability to see supernaturally behind the situation. It's God's given ability to distinguish truth from error based upon the word of God and the clear witness of the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural understanding given to, the, given to get to the heart of someone's motivation or the motivation behind a person or an event. With this manifestation, the Holy Spirit helps us instantly cut through all the confusion and concerns to the heart of the matter. Many times it starts like this. You have an uneasy feeling about something or someone. You have an uneasy feeling or an impression. 
about a person or a situation, but you don't know exactly what's going on. I often refer to it, I know one of the ways that God uses my mind to um, bring that about, God uses that in my life, is I can't put my finger on it. Something isn't what it appears, but I just can't put my finger on it. I don't know what's going on, I'm not quite sure what it is, but I can't put my finger on it. And that's the manifestation of, of often the beginning of the manifestation of discernment. Or another phrase I like to use is that Holy Spirit alarm is going off. Not everything is as what it seems. Certainly you've experienced that. Amen? Anybody experienced that? Like, it is not what it seems. We're not sure what it is yet. Not jumping in any conclusions. But it just doesn't appear as it doesn't seem to be what it appears. I can't put my finger on it. You're picking up on something that nobody else sees. As you're walking in the spirit, in tune with him, you sense that the power of darkness strongly and clearly. And with this manifestation, you'll be able to see and think beyond what is material, and God gives you what he sees and thinks about the matter. It's very powerful. One of the difficulties with this manifestation of the spirit is that you so clearly see the fraud in someone's life, but not everyone sees the same thing, so people are against you. They don't believe you. And, and people that are in the wrong, because they don't play by any of the rules, because they're already in sin, they lie, they manipulate, they gain people on their side, and there you are just feeling all alone. <laughs> like something's not right here. But then all, you know, family turns on you, friends abandon you, people that you were close to are disloyal, they take off, and before you know it, you're like, whoa, I don't, I don't like this. I didn't ask to see these things. I'm not the one in sin, and yet... God gave you the insight. You see, this discernment protects the body from false teachers, from false teachings, and people that want to take advantage of the congregation. It protects us from lies and deceit and the shadows. Elisha gets this insight, even in the Old Covenant, and on Gehazi, and calls him on it. Can you imagine what this must have looked like for an onlooker? If you were watching this situation and you didn't know Gehazi and you didn't know Elisha that well, you possibly would be a little concerned because you would probably interpret Gehazi as being harsh on this guy. I mean, hey man, he said he didn't take anything. I mean, he doesn't have anything on him. He doesn't have anything on him. Why? Because his servants has it. He doesn't have it. Check my pockets, you know. Check my pockets. Yeah, there's nothing in your pockets, bro, because your servants have them. But can you imagine just watching this? It would be easy. That's why, that's why, you know what? It's just best not to judge another man's servant. He stands or falls before the Lord. And what you see right now, or what you hear right now, or some third-party situation you're involved in, most likely you don't have all the facts. So you just reserve judgment and pray until all the facts come out. That way, when the facts come out, you don't look dumb or bad for choosing wrong. Just wait it out and keep your eyes on the Lord. Because if you're watching Elisha, wait a minute, don't be so hard on Gehazi, he's your servant. And Gehazi, you know, I can hear Elisha say, no, he's a liar and a thief and a greedy man. How could he be so specific and so correct? Only God. And it's possible today for God to reveal things to you, to pray. So just pray and wait on his revelation. As Gehazi continues his lies, what happens? God had removed the leprosy from Naaman 
because Naaman responded in trust and obedience. And ironically, leprosy is now clinging to Gehazi because he didn't trust or obey God. And according to verse 27, his descendants would suffer as well. It reminds us of the very, the very judgment of God upon Achan and his family. Remember in Joshua? It reminds us in the New Testament of the judgment of God upon Ananias and Sapphira. And why? Do you guys remember why God brought judgment on Ananias and Sapphira? Because they lied. Not just to Peter. They lied to the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. They lied to God. Because you know, first and foremost, all of our sin is against God. And then it's against one another. I know it gets played out in the realm of us most of the time, but our sin is to God first. I have sinned against you and you alone, David declares. And then we suffer the consequences of our own sin and the sin of others. We need to be careful walking in the Spirit. As one commentator put it, he says, and I quote, one man goes away healed because of his obedience, while the other man, indeed the one who should have known what matters most, walks away with leprosy. Yet another Israelite has made the tragic mistake of choosing a substitute for the Lord. What we call, what, what the commentator's name is house, what he calls a substitute for the Lord is commonly known as idolatry. He's chosen to worship an idol. And what was his idol? Money. I mean, wow. He misrepresented God, misrepresented his master, and for a few bucks, he's leprous the rest of his life. And what's interesting is I don't read anywhere where the stuff that he stole was taken away from him. So now he's a leper, and he gets to enjoy his stuff, not at all. Remember when we studied Naaman? We learned about Naaman. Here's a guy that had it all, but had leprosy. Because there's always, there's always those things. We all go through something. As far along as you might be and as good, thing, as good as life might be to you, there's always something that we endure in life. Always. All of us. I mean, maybe one day we'll just have, uh, we'll have different colored cards <clears throat> and just ask you without your name, just anonymously, to write the trial that you're currently in. And I, and I could stand up here for a half hour and read each and every trial. You would be shocked. Because we come into a church service, we're all smiling. We, we, hey, brother, how you doing? Oh, sister, how you doing? Yeah, it's been so, oh, hallelujah, yeah, my hands are lifted up. And at the same time, while you're worshiping God, you're enduring great tragedy and great sorrow and great grief and great pain. And man, we're all going through something. It's the great equalizer. All of us are on the same plane because God is using the things in our lives to what? Bring us to a place of brokenness so that we might cry out to him and not choose a few bucks, not choose to, to betray those that are close to us, not choose deception. And so he makes the tragic mistake of choosing a substitute for the Lord while a Gentile convert has discovered that what his servant girl said about the Lord's prophet is true. Irony. And one thing, again, as we study through the book of Kings that's being revealed to the nation through the life of Elisha is God's sovereignty over healing and his power over false gods. God is sovereign in his healing. And how sadly and ironically faith in Yahweh is stronger in some people outside 
of Israel than it was in the Israelites into whom it should have been the strongest. I have to say that certainly can be our testimony when we waver in our faith and when we're just shaken. There are others that demonstrate this sense of resolve that have no connection to God, a strong sense of resolve, at least temporarily, while we that know God are weak in the knees. And the Lord's so good that even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. And he says, you're going to get through this, son. Daughter, you're going to make it. I'm faithful. Just stay close to me. Don't mess around with deceit. That's a word of the Lord for some of you. You're here. This, wasn't, this message wasn't delivered a couple weeks ago. Instead, God had something different, and now it's delivered now, or however you hit this podcast, or you download on the app, or however it's airing on the radio on whatever day it's going to air, that, that God is telling you, don't lie. That's your answer. You came to church one day, I've got to get an answer. What should I do? Here it is. Don't lie. There it is. Don't lie. You leave here with the resolve to be an honest man and an honest woman, and God will bless that because you don't want the effects and the consequences of deceit. Because it's very, very, very hard. Isn't it interesting? Someone once said, you spend a whole lifetime building a reputation and building you know, that connection with others and you lose it in seconds. Let that not be our testimony. But even if it is, God's not done with you. As you rebuild, as you take those steps, yeah, it might be a little harder, it might be a little more difficult, it might have been easier had you not chose that route. But even through the trial, God is teaching you more of himself, revealing his faithfulness in your life. Having you now, you know, those that have fallen and got back up by the strength of God, they value truth even more so now. It's valuable. It's so valuable, you don't know. I will not go that route again. And we praise God that though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. Even if the devil comes and says, stay down, stay down. You just quote the scripture. No, the Bible says, though a man falls seven times, getting back up. And then maybe you could kick him in the teeth a little bit. That's all right. Resist him steadfast in the faith. You kick the devil in the teeth by resisting him and draw near to God and he'll draw it near you. So Father, as we think of this greed in Gehazi, God, how much is greed in us? How much is covetousness in us? How much dishonesty might be in us tonight? That we not be quick to look at someone else's life, but rather examine our own. And so Lord, as we examine our lives, we ask for you to reveal in us the reality of the condition of our life. I pray for an outpouring of the manifestation of the discerning of spirits in our church, that we might walk in discernment, first for our own life and for the lives of others, that you would give us insight on our kids, what they're hiding, what they're into. You would give us insight on our parents. You would give us insight of what's going on behind the scenes at work, what's happening with that situation at church, What's happening in our marriages? God, that you would give us insight that we might be able to see behind the scenes, not for the sake of exposure, but for the sake of reconciliation. That God, even as some might be looking at a situation from a distance, but God, who are we without your insight to come to a conclusion? And even then, we saw and we have seen in Elisha's life up to this point, the credibility you've given this man. 
and those that serve you, those pastors, those leaders, they get the benefit of the doubt. They get, they get the, the opportunity that, no, I'm not gonna receive an accusation against an elder except by two or three witnesses. They get the benefit of the doubt, allowing you, Lord, to do the work to reveal before any conclusions are made. So I just pray for those that are here tonight on the other end of lies. They're being lied about. Uh, they're, they're being um, gossiped about. Little groups are being formed against them. Would you be their protector, God? Would you just strengthen them and build a wall of protection around them spiritually? Would you help them to stay focused and clearly uh, just zoned in on who you are and what you're doing in their lives? Would you be the lifter of spirits today, God? Would you be the God of all comfort? Would you just reveal yourself that way in the room today? Would you connect with those listening on the radio right now? Would you not only, not, not only is it true that you're the God of all comfort, but would you allow people to feel your presence? That they might just sense your presence? You would just give them a tangible uh, representation of your presence in their life right now? You just might put a scripture in their mind? You might bring a thought of comfort to them? You might ratify, maybe in the Bible study tonight, something that happened today that you just remind them that you're with them and that you work in the supernatural? that not everything is what it seems. And as we have uh, finished our time, God, we know that our faith is built up. We don't want to be like Gehazi. We want to follow the leadership of Elisha, that double, um, what do they call it, the double portion from Elijah. Give us a double portion, Lord. Every time I listen to Pastor Chuck, I just think, Lord, I want a double portion. Every time I listen to my pastor, Lord, I want a double portion. As hard as it is and as much warfare it'll bring, I want to reach more people, Lord. I want to serve. I want to be more faithful. I want to be usable in your hands. Make us usable tonight, Lord. Reveal yourself in a beautiful way. Let us leave here with confidence and assurance let us leave here, Lord, remembering that you're for us and not against us. <clears throat> You've promised to never leave or forsake us. And for some of you, you need to leave here today surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. That's why God brought you here. That's why you're listening to me right now. That's why you're listening to a Bible study. You're listening to a Bible study about a couple guys that lived a few thousand years ago, but we're in relationship with God. And you know, today God is inviting you into relationship with him. He wants you to live life not apart from him, but with him. And so the Bible says that God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. That the condition of your life was so bad and you were so helpless and so hopeless that God took matters into his own hands because he alone could fix the problem. And what's the problem? It's sin. Just like this guy. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, we need a savior. That's, you wonder, why is Jesus called a savior? Because we need to be saved. From what? From the condition of our sin. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Both physically and spiritually. What do you mean, Ed? Spiritually. Well, just like in any relationship, the worst condition that you could ever have is to be separated from God. To be separated. 
You know, you might have walked in here and you're mad at God because of a situation in your life. You're frustrated. And even though you're mad, you still have his presence. He's still with you. Can you imagine carrying that anger the rest of your life and not having God with you? The very one that you're mad at who still won't abandon you. And yet, by your decision, you would abandon him. I mean, this is serious stuff. So God, he invites you into relationship with him today. And here's, here's how. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and what I mean by that is you will confess that he lived for you and died for you and he rose again. Just in a couple weeks, we're gonna celebrate the resurrection. Jesus is alive today. And if you believe that in your heart, like true belief where your heart is, then the Bible says you will be saved. Repent of your sins. Turn away from your past life and turn your life toward God. And I want to invite you, if that's you today, and you say, Ed, that is my life. And I want to follow God with all, of my, life, with all my heart and all my life. Then would you just stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. Like today, you'll be born again. Like a new life. Born again, it sounds just like what it means, just what it sounds like, except not physically. You're going to get a new life. Same person, new life. Changed, forgiven, free, delivered, hope, strength, peace, victory. The things that you've been chasing after. No longer fighting God. You don't have to fight God anymore because you're losing. Is there anyone here that say, that's me? That say, man, I got to get my life right with God right now. Today's the day and we invite you. Even if you're on the radio and we don't see you or downstairs, it really doesn't matter if we see you or not. God bless you. I see you right there. Thank you. Who else would say, that's me? Today's the day. And if I do miss someone, I always appreciate if you point them out to me. So thank you. Because I want to see, because it's so encouraging to me. But I don't have to see. God sees. Is there anyone else? These are holy moments, gang. No time, to, no time to leave, but just to press in, pray for the souls of men and women. And so you that respond, I want you to pray with me, all right? I want you to repeat after me. You can say something like this. God, I admit that you've sinned against me. Excuse me, I've sinned against you. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me, and I believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead to save my soul. <clears throat> and I dedicate my life to following you from this day forward. Help me to turn away from my sins of the past and to live my life for you. God, anyone, anywhere that prays, you say you won't cast them out. So receive them, 
And this little guy here, God, you have great plans for him, that you would use him, begin to speak to him, begin to reveal yourself to him, Lord. Fill his mind with dreams and visions of your goodness and your love and use him in his family. Use him in a mighty way as a mouthpiece. Even as you use my own children, I pray you would use him as a mouthpiece for the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. Out of the mouth of babes comes truth. And that your hand would be upon him and that you would baptize him with the Holy Spirit and empower him from this young age to live completely for you. And God, as we leave, we'll be faithful to give you all the praise and glory for the great things you have done and continue to do in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.